Thank you, Carolyn, and good morning, everybody. As Carolyn mentioned, uh, my name is Ben Diaz, and uh, yeah, it's great to see all of you this morning. Um, as things are winding down for the summer, I'm sure things are ramping up. I know for our family, school started on Wednesday. We had sports games, there's practice, there's a lot of things going on. I can imagine the same is happening for you. Um, as things are winding down, things are already in full swing. Um, so what we're doing today is actually we're winding down our summer series. If you uh, remember, we have this thing called You Asked For It that we've done since June. When we asked you in March and April to submit what are questions or topics that you are asking about uh, that you, that you want to know kind of more biblical guidance and wisdom about leadership from the Holy Spirit on. And uh, today actually marks our last two weeks, and this is the most requested topic. The most requested topic is this, health, physical health and mental health. So that's why we're taking it in two weeks. So Pastor Marvin will uh, complete the series next week on mental health. Today, uh, we're going to talk about physical health. And you could probably, um, you know, that's just a big topic. Physical health, our physical bodies, that's just a big topic. So instead of just kind of jumping in on like, here's what you should eat and here's what you shouldn't like here's how you should run and here you have all that stuff. That's not where we're going to start. We're going to start on just common biblical truths so we can all kind of find this baseline that we all can step onto and agree on these truths. So I'm going to kind of do them a little quickly, but here are seven uh, biblical truths about our bodies. Uh, you are made in the image of God. It says in Genesis, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Secondly, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Here's the danger, though. Sometimes we're so familiar with these, we're just like, oh, yeah, 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 what's the next one? But let me show you an image of um, a brain tissue sample of, uh, that's the size of a sesame seed. Um, and this image is of 50,000 cells and 130 million connections between them. This is... This is like representative of your brain. And that's one millionth of the size of the normal human brain. That's what's going on. And you can process, um, I think it's a hundred billion, what, one, one billion millions uh, calculations per second um, with your brain. So you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even though you might forget that where your glasses went and they're sitting on top of your head, you are still fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what's going on in your brain. Um, Thirdly, uh, God does not look solely at one's outward appearance, but at one's heart. It says in 1 Samuel, the Lord said to Samuel when Samuel was uh, trying to choose a king from Jesse's sons, don't look on his appearance on the height of stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Our bodies will fail. Here's the next one. Our bodies will fail and we will all eventually meet death. Check this out in Ecclesiastes. It's the same for all. Since the same event, this, see if you can figure out what this event is, happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and to the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. That event is called what? Death. Right? We're all going to die. It doesn't matter how great you were, how not great you were. doesn't matter which, how rich you are, how poor you are at the end of it. Um, you're going to die. But here's some good news. Here's the next truth that we can all agree on. Jesus has beaten death and has given us life and life to the fullest. Romans 8 says this, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life 
to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's the thing. Here's the next one. As a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave, that beat the penalty of sin, which is death, instead of housing it in the Holy of Holies in a temple that only certain priests could go to, guess where he put the, to its dwelling place? In you and me as followers of Christ. Here's the last thing. You're a part of Jesus' body, the church. In 1 Corinthians it says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So Jesus came to earth, he died, he rose again, and now he has called us his new body, the church. All right, these are all true. Seven truths, I think, you know, I could see some nods. Nobody was like, whoa, 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 that's not true. But here's the thing. If these are true and they're all true, let me ask you this. Why is it that every single one of us struggles so much with our bodies? If we're so fearfully and wonderfully made, why are we so discontent with the way that God has created us? If God doesn't look solely at the outward appearance, why do we? If God's the great physician, can heal Why are so many of us battling sickness and pain? If Jesus offers us rest, why are we all so tired? Do you feel that tension? These truths, these great truths that we're all like, yes, that's so true about me. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, and I hate how I look. Right? Man, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, and I feel so far from God right now. These truths, and there's this gap. What do you do with that? That's what we're going to look at today. So, I don't think you guys need convincing. I did look up statistics on this. But um, the, the majority of people are dissatisfied with the way they look, with their body image. And one of the studies that I, I looked up, it says this, 91% of women, girls and women, have had negative body images and at one time or another have sought to either diet or do different things just so they could look a different way. Um, For teens, 73% of teen girls and 69% of teen boys are self-conscious about their appearance. That includes their weight, acne, what their hair looks like. I don't need to convince you. We could all probably agree with that for ourselves and for others. There's increased health issues, right? The, The amount of cancer cases that we walk with people, or maybe you're walking through that. Diabetes, chronic pain, substance abuse, all these things are on the rise. You don't need statistics to convince you. Let's talk about Sleep and fatigue. If, if I were to ask you, hey, how are you doing today? Other than the obligatory, I'm doing good. You know what the, the next couple of answers would be? I'm busy and I'm tired. Right? If Jesus gives us rest, why are we so busy and so tired? It's true. You see this tension? We say, yes, I'll come to him when I'm weary. Yes, I'll do that. And I'm so tired. I am so burdened. I just can't do another day. There's this tension. All these truths, and then we live in this other reality that just don't line up to it. There's also this other thing of the opposite, of we're actually, man, yeah, made in the image of God. Yes, I am, right? This vanity of like, I'm going to work on my body because my body is my temple and is better than your temple, right? We have this comparison that embarrasses other people and brings pride to others. We have all these truths, and we live in this tension of this reality of, let's be honest, we're all dissatisfied in some way or the other. I'll tell you this story. When I was in sixth grade, um, I had a nickname that I'm not proud of, but I'm going to share with you. It's probably the first time I said this in public. People called me Big Nose Ben, right? I'm Filipino. I didn't choose the size of my nose. 
But for whatever reason, people would call me Big Nose Ben. Not everybody. Um, but yeah, like that's, in sixth grade, that's tough. And I remember my aunt from the Philippines came and visited, and she was a teacher, um, she was a teacher in Texas as well, and she kind of had the same shape nose as I did. And here's what she did for years, because of probably the standard, um, this wrong standard of what she was supposed to look like when she was teaching America, she would pinch her nose, like daily, constant, like to, to try to shape her nose to look like what she thought noses are supposed to look like. So she taught me that. And sixth grade, right? Like you just, do you, hear, do you hear the damage, right? That's just not, that's not kind. God gave me this nose, right? I wear, it's probably one of the first things, now you can't unsee my nose. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's just, it's just, it is like, I was dissatisfied with it. Like my height, I didn't choose it. I didn't choose how short I am or tall I am. I, I didn't earn it. I didn't do stuff to not earn it. But some of us walk around like, man, See how tall I am? Or, dang, I'm really short. Like, I feel really uncomfortable. Do you see, do you see how we're dissatisfied? We use comparison to, to do two things, to either embarrass people or be prideful. But we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, yeah, that's true. And at the same time, we live this reality. So instead of addressing all of that in terms of, like, oh, how, how, should, we, how should we think about our bodies and all that stuff, we're not going to start there. This is where I think we should start. Let's start with this question. Why? The creator of the universe, Jesus, who was there in partnership with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, he, he, he knew it was necessary to take on a physical body to become fully man and come to the earth. Well, why? That's the question we want to start with. We're not starting with, well, how did Jesus act when he was on earth? Or how did Jesus take care of his body? We're also not starting with what? What did Jesus eat or not eat? What did Jesus drink or not drink? We're not starting there. The question we want to ask is why? Why is the king of the universe coming and taking this humble form of a body to earth? Why? When you start with why, why gives you purpose to your actions. There's purpose behind your actions. If you only start with what or how, then you just have actions. Like, for example, if I said, I'm going to start drinking more water, right? That's just what I, that's what I want to do. And I started with how... My how would be, well, I'll carry a water bottle around, right? I have a water bottle right here. Well, that's how, that's how I'm going to drink more water. Well, what will change? Well, I'm going I'm to drink that many more ounces per day because I'm carrying my water bottle around. Well, why? Well, I, just because I want to drink more water. Do you see that when, when your foundation is behavior, I just want to drink more water and carry my water bottle around, and not fueled by belief, your motivation fades quickly. You probably, you probably can feel the same thing, right? So if my why was, I'm gonna, I get headaches when I don't drink enough water. I don't want to get headaches anymore, so what am I going to do? How am I going to do that? I'm going to drink more water, I'm going to carry a water bottle around, and I'm going I'm to have that much more water in me so I won't have headaches. Or I'm at my best. I'm alert and refreshed when I drink more water. That's my why. Why am I carrying a bottle around? Because that's what I want. I want to be more alert and refreshed. We need to start with why. Because when you... Um, start with why your beliefs will motivate and sustain your actions as opposed to just being actions. So if we start with why, let's ask this. Let's ask that same question. Well, why? Why did Jesus come to earth in a physical body? And the answer, I think, is found in Luke chapter 4. So check this out. In Luke chapter 4, um, this is, Jesus had just gotten baptized. He hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't called any disciples yet and says this, 
Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, this is in Isaiah chapter 61 as well, so this was already foretold in Isaiah's book, was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, this is Jesus' why. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all of the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him, and they began to say to them, today, and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying, the Messiah that's been predicted and, and sought after for all these years, I'm him, and I'm in this body. That's why he came. His why, if I were to sum it up in one word, it's this. Jesus came for freedom, to set you free. It says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. It's not for vanity. It's not for new levels of discontentment. It's not for new prisons of self-dissatisfaction or new prisons of envy for other people. Not because he's a good teacher with nice sayings. Not to give us fuel for our own petty little political debates. Not so that we can come to church on Sunday and play this pretend church. He came for freedom. To set you free. That's why he came. And he knows that about us. He knows there's these truths and he knows that these prisons that we live in. He came to set us from, free from the penalty of sin, which is death. And that comes to all of us because we all have sinned. And he knew he was the only one that could set us free. And he was the one that had to sacrifice his holy body. And all we had to do in exchange is to believe that's who he is. He came for freedom. Jesus is why for you and for me. Why did he come? It's for your freedom and for mine. If the enemy comes to rob us, kill us, and destroy us, but Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly, then he came to set us free from not only the penalty of sin and the finality of death, he also came to set us free from the prisons of hopelessness, discontentment, comparison, embarrassment, and pride. So if we know Jesus' why, the next question is, well, what's our why? If we're now Jesus' body, the church, as believers, we must have a why. Right? The answer to that is yes. And our why as the body of Christ should connect to Jesus' why for freedom. So you know how in Galatians it said, for freedom Christ has set us free in verse 1 of chapter 5? If you read a little bit farther, you rediscover our universal why as the body, the church. It says this in Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Why were each of us fearfully and wonderfully given these physical bodies? It's to live in the freedom that Christ died to give us. It's to be free, to live free and live abundantly, not to use that for our own flesh, but to set others free and remind other believers of the abundant life and the abundant freedom we already have. In Jesus. What does Jesus want to, for us as the church, for us as his people, what are the, the three topics, the three kind of themes 
that he wants us to experience freedom in. From my personal study, I, th- I think there's three of them. These three main themes throughout the entire body of the, the Bible. It's holiness, healing, and rest. Jesus wants to give us freedom from the distractions that try to contaminate this opportunity to, to enter into Jesus' holiness. He wants to drain our hope of the possibility of healing. That's what the world wants to do. And for rest, it wants to rob us of true rest. So that's why Jesus wants to offer us freedom from those things. And it's actually in those scriptures from Luke chapter 4, right? You can look at holiness as he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The good news is this. You don't have to be rich and buy really good sacrifices to earn your way and buy your way into heaven. The good news is Jesus came, offered his life, and what you have in exchange for your sin is eternal and abundant life in Jesus. Healing. He sent me to recover sight to the blind. That's what it says in Isaiah's prophecy. That's what Jesus read from the scroll. And he's saying he's going to bring healing by recovering sight to the blind. And rest. He has sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor, when that happened, debts were forgiven, work was paused, and celebrations were planned. That sounds like rest to me. So let's look at these three things of holiness. And what does Jesus, how does Jesus walk this out in terms of when he's on the earth, what does holiness look like for us to enter into his holiness? Holiness is bearing the image of God by using our bodies for good. Say that again. Holiness is bearing the image of God by using our bodies for good. Good means as God intended them to be. So Jesus offers us freedom from satisfying our fleshly desires with counterfeit comforts. We have freedom from satisfying our fleshly desires with these counterfeit comforts. We all have temptations. We all have these fleshly desires. We all have these urges. And oftentimes we satisfy them with counterfeit comforts. What are counterfeit comforts? They're earthly things that distract us from pursuing holiness. If you know anything about counterfeits, um, you should... uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about counterfeits, I just set up a time with me and uh, you can pay me. Actually, I'll pay you to come hang out with me. I'll give you a $102 bill, right? I'll give you a $102 bill. We'll talk about counterfeits. Um, right, you know right away that that's, that's not a thing. And it's because you know the real thing. You know that there's $100 bills. You know there's $50 bills. You know there's $20 bills. You don't spend time being like, oh, this $102 bill, is this real or is it not? You don't spend time doing that. Same thing with counterfeit comforts. What we're going to do is we're going to spend time, spending time on the real thing, on the real love of Jesus and not these counterfeits. So if you want to know more about the, the counterfeit, get familiar with the real thing. Let me see if you can identify some of our, we can identify some of our counterfeit comforts. There's a list, if we look in Galatians 5, um, right before the list of the fruit of the spirits, fruit of the spirit, it says this, there are works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, hatred of others, unforgiveness, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, which means unwillingness to resolve conflict, envy, drunkenness, and other sexual sins. There's so many counterfeit comforts that we all step into when we have these urges to get mad, to look at porn, to 
get in arguments, to envy other people, to eat a bunch of food, to not take care of our bodies because we need these counterfeit comforts because we want to numb ourselves from the, the fact that we're discontent with the, the way that God created us and we're not walking in the freedom that Christ died to give us. We find that in these counterfeit comforts and I can look you all in the eye and you all say, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because the penalty of sin is death and we all need the holiness of Jesus. So you can sit there, you can feel all uncomfortable of like, oh man, all these counter comforts, he just named them. Yes, absolutely, because we all have them. So not only are we all in need of the grace of Jesus, we all are in need of the grace of each other, right? We're not going to compare ourselves. We, what we need is not to compare, I'm more holy than you, right? I'm a little less embarrassed about my nose than you are. You know, all that kind of stuff. What we need to do is this. We need to enter into the freedom that Jesus died to give us. That's where we start. That's, instead of looking at these counterfeits, right? I'm not going to talk about your substance addiction right now. I'm not going to talk about your porn addiction. I'm not talking about that right now. We can get to that. But you need to understand that Christ died to set you free. And you got to know what freedom in Christ feels like. you, you got to know. And if you don't know, it's available. Right? It's almost like one of these things where it's like if, if you were given a debit card and it had all this freedom, right, you'd probably be like, well, what's the PIN number? How do I access? How do I access it? What you need to do is you need to spend time with the real thing and get to know Jesus. Because you know that you're using your bodies for good when, when, when your actions, your why, they're marked by love and joy and peace and patience goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's how you know. There's a story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She identifies the counterfeits. Uh, Jesus helps her identify the counterfeits in her life. I'm not going to read through all of it, um, but I, here, here's just a quick synopsis of it. This Samaritan woman comes to this well, and Jesus is there because he's thirsty and she's thirsty, and she brings a bucket. And she asked Jesus, where's your bucket? And he's like, look, I don't need a bucket because I, I, I have living water. And she's like, where can I get this living water? And he says this, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, the water from the well, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us as believers. We have access to it. Jesus offers us holiness so that we can enjoy his presence and invite others to do the same. You know how we talk about, oh, you should, hey, you should tell others about Jesus and all that stuff. That is true. But you see what happens before it for this woman at the well? She needed to experience and enjoy the presence of Jesus. She needed to drink the living water before she went and told her friends. Actually, they weren't her friends. In her town. It says, I love this in, in the NIV version. It says this, um, so she experiences this conversation with Jesus. He talks about how she has, five, have, has had five husbands and who she lives with is not her husband. So he's talking about her holiness, but he doesn't do it in a shame-filled way. He offers her living water, and she's like, tell me about this living water. I want that living water. And she, because of relationship, she believes, and she experiences the real thing. And then it says this, then leaving her water jar behind, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. She lets go. She's free. She's free from that, that water bucket. She lets go of her counterfeit comfort so that she can experience the living water and enjoy the presence of Jesus. And then she goes and tells her friends. And guess what? So many of them believe. 
right? If you want to experience the holiness of Christ, what you want to do is not start with, well, what do I need to do, right? What do I need to do to just kind of eat this and not that? What do I need to do to jog more of this and not that? What do I need to do to watch less of this and more of that? That's not where we start. Do you want to experience the holiness of Christ? Do you enjoy being in his presence? Because he enjoys being in yours. Let's talk about healing. So we just talked about holiness. Jesus set us free so that we can experience this holiness. Jesus came in a physical body to set us free from sickness and disease and experience healing. This is what healing is. Healing is partnering with God for freedom from sickness, wounds, and pain. And Jesus offers us hope in our longing for healing. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 about blind Bartimaeus or blind Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. Um, I'm not going to spend time on that. But one question Jesus asks of of Bartimaeus is this. What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? It should be obvious, right? Well, I want to see. And that's what he says. He articulates his desire. He's a beggar. Right? He doesn't ask Jesus for more money. He doesn't ask Jesus for gold or silver. He asks Jesus for what only Jesus can give him, which is sight. But he's not going to go begging to Jesus for money or a house or a nice car. He's going to go to Jesus and say, only you can give me sight. Can you give that to me? But you've got to articulate that to Jesus. Here's the thing. You know how I said at the beginning, we talked about um, the, the most asked topic the most asked topic was health. Um, and I got to see, of over the 300 responses, I got to see all of them. 20, 26 of them were on health, physical health and mental health. Half of those, 13 of those who were talking about physical and mental health, half of them, 13. The most requested thing was on this, chronic pain. Chronic pain is people who deal with constant pain for an extended period of time. Now, here's the thing. I don't experience that. I walk with people that do experience that. I'm not going to offer scripture as a way to put a band-aid over the pain that you're experiencing. I'm not going to use it as a weapon to say, well, if you just had more. I'm not doing that. What What I did do, though, is this. Because this is us. This is who we are. 13 of us asked that question. Maybe you're in the room. I want to honor and acknowledge that, and here's how I'm going to do it, is I have close friends that walk with chronic pain. And I, I asked them this week. This week, a lot of them were dealing with significant health uh, and pain. And I just asked them, what is it that you would want to share with us, the family of God, so that we can walk with you on this journey of chronic pain? And they all gave me permission to share with you. So I would lean in, right? Like, this is how we can love one another well, so we can remind each other of the freedom we have. Jeremy, Jeremy Block, friend of many of ours, he says this. I'm, he, he was in Colorado getting treatments this week. As a person with chronic pain, I don't want to be identified it, by it, and I don't want to be forgotten about it either. Let me say that again. I don't want to be identified by it, and I don't want to be forgotten about either. So that's a difficulty for you all to navigate with me. Secondly, it can be quite lonely at times. I asked his wife, Sarah, to share from her perspective as one who walks closely as Jeremy's spouse what we should know. She says this, first and foremost, it's grace. Remember the heart of the person in chronic pain. It's true that actions and reactions change 
due to chronic pain, but their heart doesn't change. Find someone to support you as the caregiver and to listen to you as the one who cares for loved ones with chronic pain because you need to take care of yourself too. Everyone suffers when someone lives with chronic pain, but no one suffers more than the person actually in pain. Hannah Schmucker, you guys have probably heard her tell her story about adult onset epilepsy. Excuse me, she shared that a couple years ago, and now for the last two years, she's had chronic headaches. My number one thought is this. I always love to be checked in on. A friend who calls or texts to see how I am. It's been a long journey, and sometimes I feel like a burden, but when my family and friends continue to join me for the long haul, it means the world. Secondly, don't be surprised when God changes your health plans. I was healthy and happy with four kids and a husband, and then adult-onset epilepsy happened. I was not able to drive for a year, and now two years with chronic headaches. That wasn't my plan. Not trying to meet myself with where I am. It's grace. And do what I have the bandwidth to do. And lastly, trying to continue to praise God because he is worthy, and I know he will not use my health journey in vain, but for his honor and glory and for my for my good. That's Hannah's why. She knows that on her health journey, it's not in vain, but it's for God's honor and glory and for her good. One more, Katie Kriegel, good friend of a lot of ours. She's also one of our lead hosts. Um, and she's been open about her journey of um, suffering from chronic pain. She also wants those who suffer from chronic pain to extend themselves grace as well and not to compare your why with other people's whys. Actually, none of us should be comparing our why with anybody else's why. We should be supporting them and help sharpening and refine them. Katie cares so much about this that she actually recorded a podcast this week specifically designed for people who suffer from chronic pain. And she's called it chronic faith. Because she doesn't want to, just like Jeremy, doesn't want to focus and be identified by pain. She wants to acknowledge it, but she wants to be known by her faith. So you can check out um, Katie's podcast and other resources um, at our website, wearetrainy.com slash resources. I'm going to say that again because you might want to, as the family of God, we want to support one another. And one of the best ways we can do that is become educated in it. We want to be resourced by it. So if you're going to forget to check out resources that have books and articles and playlists and podcasts, maybe now's a good time to either write it down or bookmark it in your, in your phone. So that's healing. So we talked about Christ died to set us free so we can experience his holiness, so we can experience his healing. Here's the last one so we can experience his rest. Let me define rest real quick, and then I'll show you a little clip that I think is hilarious because this is kind of heavy stuff so far. <laughs> um, rest is not merely the absence of activity, but the presence of God's peace. Jesus offers us rest in exchange for our weariness. But let's watch this clip real quick, and we'll come back to that. I love, I love pancakes. I love them so much. <laughs> and they make me so tired. And I never blame them. I'm always like, what is up with me today? <laughs> I can't get it going, you know? <laughs> and I'll go to my wife. I'm like, I think we need new pillows. <laughs> and she's like, you think it's that loaf of bread and syrup you just say? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about rest, right? Um, but let's, let's be real when we talk about rest, right? The, the obstacle between you and true rest might be a, pack of, a, a stack of pancakes, right? You just might be eating too much bread 
dousing in too much syrup. And you're like, man, I just can't get it going. I just can't experience the rest of the Father. I know how to get this freedom. And you're like, ah, what'd you eat today? Man, I just, this is my fifth meal of McDonald's, but I don't know what's going on. Just can't get it going, right? Um, let's be real when we talk about rest, right? We, we don't want to pin things on, um, oh, God's just not listening to me when I'm like, man, like I just, I feel so sluggish in the morning, but I went to, three I went to bed at 3 o'clock because I was binge watching 18 episodes of this really cool show, right? Like, we've got to be real with ourselves because um, there are these, there are counterfeit comforts that rob us of true rest, but at the same time, we should just identify them and just be like, look, Maybe you should just lay off the pancakes, right? Like that might be part of your journey of getting actual rest. We've got to be real with each other. With yourselves, you've got to be honest. It's not how do I find excuses so that I can be like, man, God's just not on my side today. There's this enemy that's just coming to rob and kill and destroy. That's what Ben said. But meanwhile, right, like th there's all these things where you can just drink more water. You can do that. You can put the pancakes aside, right, and you can rest, here are things that, uh, for me, that rob me of true rest. And you could probably identify your list. It's helpful to identify these lists um, of, like, these counterfeit comforts that rob you of true rest. Uh, here's one for me is um, I, um, oh, if I try to go to sleep uh, without uh, muting my notifications on my phone, right? Like, as soon as that happens, like, I'm awake, right? Um, another thing that I've been trying to do, actually, let me do this. Let me focus on the true comfort, see? See, I'm, I'm just switching things right now. I want to focus on the true comforts and not the counterfeits. So here's, here's some true comforts for me uh, that puts me in God's presence, right? The presence of his peace is what gives me rest, not absence of activity. Um, I like to go on walks, put my earbuds in, listen to a worship playlist. Even when I'm sleepy, right? Even when I'm sleepy, it's activity, not the absence of it, but it brings me the presence of his peace. And I find that really refreshing. Um, here's another thing is I've started to try to do this. When I eat a meal alone, when you eat a meal alone, try this. Put your phone away. Like, away, away. Like, not, like, over, like, it's upside down, and, and you can see it, you can hear it buzz, right? Like, put it away, away. And um, that has given me rest. Like, to eat a meal in silence and not scroll through mindless things that are trying to rob me. They really are trying to rob me. So maybe try that. Um, I'm learning to work from my identity and not for it. It's not like I, the, the harder I hustle, the more you'll respect me, right? It feels like that. But I'm starting to realize, like, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty beloved as I am. Jesus has already shown me that. So why do I hustle really hard? It's not to impress him. It's to impress others. So I can relax and rec recognize my identity comes from him, and I don't need to work for it. You probably have those too, right? Like, what are, what are the things that... Give you actual rest, true rest, the presence of his peace. Last night, like I'll be honest, um, for whatever reason, I, I kind of know the reason now, but I went to bed at 11 and I woke up at 2.30 a.m., right? Had to wake up Josiah at 6.30 and then we had to be here by 7.15 for rehearsal. And I just could not sleep. And I don't know if you're like, I was like, oh, absence of activity. Maybe if I s lie a little stiller, I'll fall asleep. Nope, that's not what happened. And I just was reminded of, like, the presence of his peace. So if you're one that just struggles with insomnia or, like, you're part of those statistics where you just can't sleep, I think this is just, I think this was part of God's grace of not letting me sleep to just recognize, like, that's, that's tough. It's not fun being up at night. I can tell you, as one who sleeps generally through the night, um, just there's this new sense of compassion that I feel like 
Holy Spirit wants to offer all of us as we sleep. Um, especially when we do the things that he's called us to that bring the presence of his peace. Now, if you're just like, man, I couldn't sleep, but I had, you know, I had 16 boneless wings and, you know, and like four Diet Cokes the night before and make sure they're Diet Cokes. Um, like that, like that's, there might be that. But yes, um, try, try to find those true comforts. Now that we know the Jesus why, why he came on earth, to give us freedom, to set us free, and our why as the church is to live in that freedom to help set others free and remind one another of the freedom we have in holiness, in healing, and in rest, there's this other piece to it that's more personal. It's your unique why. It's not the universal why. It's this unique why. Because you're uniquely, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So what's your unique why? Um, I can tell you uh, my unique why. Like why, why, what, why do I feel like I've been called to take care of this physical body with my big nose and short stature? Why, right? Um, and here's the thing is uh, I really feel like some of you know this part of my story. The worship team comes back up. Is this is um, my dad died when I was six. Um, so I remember we, we, I grew up north side of Lansing in this wooded lot. We had this basketball hoop. And I remember just shooting baskets out there um, when I was a kid, actually most of my childhood, and just often thinking, I wonder what this would be like if I was shooting with my dad. Um, I would toss tennis balls and hit it with this wooden bat into my neighbor's yard. And I remember thinking, I wonder what it would be like if my dad was pitching me the ball. Um, I remember just, just do, doing all these things. I would hit a, a tennis ball and a tennis racket. And I'd be like, I wonder what it would be like if my dad was here. He would play. I have two older sisters and a mom. They love sports, but they don't love playing them with me. Um, and I, just, I just wondered, like, I, I wonder what that would, like, what it would be like if I had my dad here. So if you want to know my why now, like, I can tell you, I give you a little peek into what I, I do. I, just about every morning, I get up by 6 a.m., and I do push-ups, sit-ups, I stretch, drink water, before I even sip a cup of coffee, right? I, I tell myself I got to do that stuff. Well, why? It's because I have five kids, Josiah is one of them. Um, I don't want them to ever wonder what it's like to play sports with their dad. Like, I want to be there. I want... I feel like there's this shoulder-to-shoulder time in sports that one of the questions we have about God is, what is God really like? What is the Father really like? Well, you got to spend time with him. And I, I want them to know, like, what's, what's your dad really like? I want to know what my kids are really like, right? I, I don't want to miss it. That's why, that's why I play basketball with Josiah and Cruz who are 15 years old and them and their friends that can dunk. And, you know, I don't want to get dunked on, um, but I want to play with that. I want to I be there so that, you know, it's not like, hey, Dad, you sit this one out. I know that day's coming. It's not today, though. Um, I, I want to be there for Makana when she plays golf, right? We want to play golf, play volleyball. Like, I want to be there for that stuff. I want to run with Mariah who plays, who runs track and plays volleyball, plays tennis, right? I want to I be there just so we can, I don't want you guys to ever wonder what it's like. I wonder what it would be like if my dad was here. So I stretch, I do push-ups, I do pull-ups, you know. Maybe you can't tell, but it's all right because it's not about vanity. It's about my why. It's about my why. And I, I just, I, I just, I know my why will change, right? When, when I kind of grow older and, you know, I, like it says in Ecclesiastes, there's, there's a reality that's coming for me. But not today. It's not coming today. Because I got a why. Because I want to know my kids. And I want my kids to know me. 
we've built like community because of volleyball nights in our backyard. Uh, people have come to know more of who Jesus really is because of basketball in that gym. Throwing a frisbee in a park, we've just got to know people. Like it, it matters because that's my why. It's to set other people free and live in that freedom that I've been given. What's your why? You got to know your why. Because otherwise it's just behaviors and it's not going to be sustainable. You're going to say, I want to do this and I want to do that. But why? I don't know. It's just because I want to do it for vanity. Or I want to feel less discontent with the way they got. No. You want to live in the freedom. That's what you want. So what's your why? And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to spend some time in just reflection. And we're going to ask a few questions. First question is this. And the most important one, I feel like, is not what are you going to do? You know, like what workout regimen or what foods will you not eat? You know, how fast are you going to run or how, much, how many pounds are you going to lift? I'm not asking those questions. What's your why? Why would you do any of that? Why, why would you take care of the body God has entrusted you to take care of? Why? If you have trouble starting there, then ask this question. What do you need freedom from? What are those counterfeit comforts? Identify those, right? Because he came to set you free. What are those counterfeit comforts? And let's be honest. Be honest with ourselves. You know what it is, right? It's oftentimes, I talk a lot about those unseen hours. It's oftentimes in those unseen hours. You know what those counterfeit comforts are. Holy Spirit can reveal, not for shame, but for freedom. If you're having trouble even with that, start with this. What's something you can give God thanks for? Maybe, maybe you've gone through a significant health journey. Maybe you've been injured from sports, and now you can play new sports because of the healing that you've gotten, this new why. Maybe you've been healed from Parkinson's. Whatever it is, like, what can you give God thanks for? Maybe you can walk today, and that's enough. So what is something you can give God thanks for? And that's what we're going to do right now is we're going to ask the question, why? And then we're just going to give you time to reflect on that.
As we close our time today, um, three things. Don't walk out of here without answering or seeking to answer the question, what's your why? Why were you given this body? What is he calling you to do? Maybe, maybe the answer is because he's not finished with you yet. This is an appeal to those who are 65 and older, right? He's not finished with you yet. We need you. We need you to pour into us. You, you have been fathers. You are mothers. And we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need your support. We need your encouragement. We need you. If you're 65 or over, we need you. We need your voice. We need your presence. We need you to show up because we want you there. So what's your why? That's the first thing. Second thing, I would write it down. Um, it's going to try to get stolen or forgotten about. There's a lot of stuff that's happening this week. You all know that. We all know that. So write it down. Maybe, maybe you need somebody to pray for you. So write, write it down on one of our prayer cards. And at the end, when, when our prayer team comes up and elders come up, ask them to pray for you. Just don't let it get robbed. Write it down. Tell somebody. Help, help one another remind. And the third thing is, I'm for real about those resources, right? I really feel like as the family of God, there's so much available to us if we would just step a little bit farther into education, into caring in practical ways for one another, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through listening to a podcast or reading an article. That's, those are the three things I would ask before things get away from us, like as soon as you walk out this, this room. As you're able, would you stand? And uh, let's pray. There will be prayer team members, so, and elders, would you please come down as at this time, and we'll close our time. Yeah, Jesus, uh, we thank you for the freedom that you have given us by coming from heaven into a body, fully man and fully God. It's for our freedom. You came to give us your holiness, to receive your healing, that we can experience your rest. So even now I ask, Holy Spirit, would you give us a why? Help us to know why you've called us to these bodies. Would you help remind us that we're called to set others free while enjoying your presence, which helps us to remind us of the freedom we actually have in you. Pray that even this week, that we wouldn't start with habits or using behaviors as our foundation, but our belief in you as our foundation. Thank you for the time that we've had today. I pray your blessing on health. For those who experience chronic pain, I just pray. Um, yeah. Would you remind them that you're near? Would you give them relief, encouragement that they can receive that comes from you and you alone? Pray healing in Jesus' name boldly. Pray for healing. Because your name is blessed. The darkness flees and trembles because of your name. And you are King Jesus. 
So we thank you for our time, and it's your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have a great week.